Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the 19th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 16th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because this is the 250th episode of the Faith and Science Podcast, which is crazy to think about. It means we are fastly approaching year five, which will begin in January this year. And so, As I've kind of talked about, I will be doing a kind of a special episode kind of talking about some of that stuff. I have no idea how long that will be. Kind of explaining some of the probably the backstory on why I started the podcast, some backstory on obstacles I've overcome, some backstory on things that I've kind of adjusted behind the scenes and probably giving a little bit of foresight on where I'm looking at going here over the next, hopefully, 250, it's bonkers to me to be at this point. It's really quite mind-boggling, really. It's been a ride. There's been a lot of learning along the way, a lot of things where it's been super fun to do and super fun to grow with. And I'll probably get into that a little bit more here with that episode. It'll drop a little bit after this one. But it's an exciting time, and especially with it being fall for most of the Northern Hemisphere, this is an exciting period of time, that transition period, and we are transitioning in a lot of our texts even this last next week. But before we jump into that, we have to look at our question from last week, which was, where do you see moments that pushing forward is where God is calling you? And where are you also being called to stop along the way and give thanks while moving forward? I think in a lot of ways, there has been definitely times for me just being self-reflective with this podcast. There's definitely times when you have to push forward even when it's a difficult text and you have to be able to continue to move in the direction of figuring out what we're going to talk about, how we're going to tie in something, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. And I think that makes the easier weeks all the sweeter because those are the weeks where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm really, really excited to go and get me to those harder texts and let me gnaw on them a little bit more. Let me play around with it. Let me think about it in a different, unique way. And I think at a lot of those times, it's thinking and recognizing the work that a lot of other people have done and being able to see that as this isn't just purely the scientific this is also the spiritual aspect of this is also involved that their work is helping us better understand god whether they realize it or not but i think it's this idea of whatever we are doing we are doing for the lord and so this idea of being able to recognize that in a way that isn't typically done is sometimes giving thanks to them and giving thanks to God that we are able to do that and recognize that. And I think that's pretty amazing, pretty impressive, and a very difficult question that I gave ourselves last week. So let's just jump into it this week because there's a lot of ground to cover here. One of the Old Testament texts is out of Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 27 to 34. This is, again, as we've talked about, this is already while they've been in captivity, and now we are starting to get some hope coming from Jeremiah. But a lot of this kind of talks about how God has been making promises with people, and yet we struggle with that. And then we kind of get that God's 
planning on making a new covenant with these people, but it's not going to be like that of old where it was easy to be broken. But this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put the law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, saying, The Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Coming from verses 33 and 34. So this idea of how God is going to penetrate them is going to become a major part of who they are. And that promise and recognizing that, but that also means for us that we have to be able to recognize God within us us also. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 119 verses 97 through 104. And especially with what we had in the last couple verses there out of Jeremiah, starting with, oh, how I love the law. It is my meditation all day long. And talking about how the decrees and covenants and the precepts and the guidance that is coming from the Lord teaches us and brings us to better places, that it helps us be able to move where God has designed us to be, thus making it easier for us to actually do what we were designed to do and being able to move in ways that the enemy just isn't able to do. And so it's this kind of interesting text on the law And how God writes these commandments, writes these covenants with us is actually something that's freeing, even though it appears to be something that can bind us down. The other Old Testament text this week is out of Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. This is the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel, wrestling with God. It doesn't exactly say, but wrestling all night long. And it's something that's very relatable. Jacob, remember, had already tricked his father into giving him the blessing over Esau. This is right before Jacob is supposed to go and confront Esau after years. And Esau has a large army. He's very afraid. And here we have Jacob wrestling with God and begging God, please give me a blessing. And here we get where God blesses him, but Jacob doesn't walk away unscathed. He's limping from the hip, which God had struck his hand on. So this idea in a lot of ways that I know Caroline Lewis brought up this week in Working Preacher of walking away different, even though in this case it wasn't beautiful, it's walking away different. And we get this idea of, Jacob wrestling all night long as the sun is rising the next day. And Jacob is willing to give his name, but we don't get the name of who Jacob is wrestling with. And verse 26 is, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And that's where we do get the blessing in verse 29. So this idea of how Jacob is wrestling, and I think it's a very relatable text to us, that there's a lot of times that we're wrestling with things and wrestling with God with things. And sometimes it takes a long time because we're stubborn and God can be stubborn too. 
The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 121, all eight verses of it. And this is the praise psalm that we all probably heard. I lift my eyes into the hills. From where will my help come from? From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And how God is beside us and walking with us and making sure that we are taken care of and that we are going out and being able to be the people that God has called us to be, that God does have a calling to protect us and help us along the way. The epistle text or New Testament text this week is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to chapter 4, verse 5. This is a text reminding us of how to continue in what we've been taught. But this also means being persistent even when it's difficult. And we get this kind of coming from verse 2, end of verse 1. I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, encourage, and with utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires. Which is a very loaded verse there in verse 3. But it's this idea of how God is requesting that we continue to go and talk about what we're learning. Continue to dig in and keep pursuing God and continuing to look for guidance from God. Even when the rest of the world around us doesn't always necessarily agree with that. And I think this is a moment where it can really be hard because there's a lot of interpretation that goes into that, but also that those moments with God are valuable and it's worth digging into. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses. And this is a loaded text in and of itself, but I do feel like the first readings and the epistle or second reading really do help with this text. But we get a Luke saying that Jesus is telling a parable and how we need to pray and not lose heart. And that in a certain city, there is a judge who didn't fear God or have respect for the people. And so this widow keeps coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. We never hear who the opponent is. When this person keeps refusing this request, yet the widow keeps bothering this person continually asking and going day after day and wears down the person. I will grant her justice so she will not wear me out by continually coming. And then you get this verse here starting in verse 7. And will not God grant justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? So this idea, again, of working continually, continually bringing it up, and that God is still working with this. And I think in a lot of ways, God is this judge that not necessarily always wearing down, but sometimes recognizing that, no, this isn't quite what the right thing to be asking, even when it's hard to hear it that way. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do shameless plugs. Oh. 
Working Preacher, if you have intro to Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, or commentaries, or discussions. Since I'm not ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. Heck, I've already brought it up this week. Between having their Working Preacher podcast, having two to three different seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, along with multiple different commentaries from multiple different biblical scholars, and the discussions that's going on over there, if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, which has their revised common lectionary in it. I find it extremely helpful, not only because of how they lay out the text, but having the colors, hymns, prayers, art, different things to potentially look at and to give you ideas on how are these texts being looked at and interpreted, and just a place to be able to look at them easily. So if you haven't checked out the revised common lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I highly recommend that also. Persistence. It's one of these things that we are getting in these texts. We get this in the widow's might coming from Luke 18. We hear it in the Timothy text of enduring even when it's difficult. We see this in the Genesis text on how Jacob wrestles with God, an angel, all night long. We get this even in the Jeremiah text where the people feel down and out. And God continues to pursue them, stating, yes, we've done a, we've made covenants back and forth, and you guys haven't done the greatest, but I'm going to make a covenant that trumps all these other covenants that you will not be able to get away from, that I'm going to write my words on your heart. I'm going to write my law within you. I'm going to embed it within you, and then you can't get away from it. And I think that's interesting because now we're seeing a moment where God is continuing to be persistent with us. And it kind of flips that on its head. But in all these cases, they're difficult situations. They're difficult where it's like, keep the faith, keep going, even when it's hard. And if I think about some things that have been going on lately, I think there are a couple examples that we can look at. And I think Think about these texts in a way that kind of helps encourage this type of thought. One that's been going on for a while is Fridays for the Future. This is a movement specifically with more younger people who have been taking Fridays off, and especially in Europe, and saying, we're not going to school until things change. We're seeing that the environment is suffering, We see that things are changing and we want a future in it. And so they're doing this as a protest to get leadership groups to actually take them seriously, to be able to see that this environmental crisis is actually a crisis and that things need to change and change rapidly for that to happen. This has been going on for multiple years as they pursue this, taking the science seriously and saying that something then needs to be done about it. Giving a place for them to be able to talk about how the climate is making it harder and harder for us to live and how we're seeing this data and yet we continue to have places and companies throw it out, throw out the data. You take organizations like 350, which is an organization who is about making sure the parts per million of carbon dioxide within the atmosphere is below 350 because that would reduce how drastic the environmental change is within our communities. And when you look at it, we're above that now. 
when I was in high school, that wasn't always the case. We're quickly approaching it. And yet now it's this idea of trying to keep the temperature about one degree Celsius higher, 1.9 degrees Fahrenheit than pre-industrial levels to try to level some things out to give us a chance to be able to fight these different fights. I bring up these nonprofit organizations and stuff like this because that work is very difficult. It's taking the science that is out there and giving it legs. Because in a lot of ways, when you think about whenever science is done, it's a paper, it's research, it's, okay, we need to get some additional research on this, that, or the other thing to be able to make it a reality. And at some point, you have to give it legs. We've talked about this before, where when you look at the endangered species list, the cute and cuddly animals or the more relatable animals are the ones that have gotten off easier. Some of these smaller animals that aren't necessarily seen as beautiful are the animals that are on there longer and have trouble getting off of it because people don't want to relate to them. People don't want to stand up for a slug. People don't necessarily want to stand up for a frog, but standing up for a wolf, standing up for an eagle is a lot easier to stand up for. But when we look at the environment in which we're in, we have to be willing and able to stand up for the environment if it's something that we truly care about. When I look at these texts too, I look at like Psalm 121, where I lift my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I think about, at least here in the United States, we've just had major hurricanes hit Florida, Hurricane Ian. And I think about this text and how do those people feel about that? Because this then feels like an absolute cry out to God. That the Lord saying in verse 5 of the psalm, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in from this time on and forevermore. These texts on how God is persistent in the pursuit of us, And wanting us to be persistent in the pursuit of him also means we need to be able to recognize the gifts in which God has given us. It means we need to be able to recognize when there are unfavorable things being done to the planet that was a gift from God to us that we need to be willing and able to stand up to fight for it. Not physically fight, but emotionally fight. That means we're going to have to sacrifice just like what is stated in Timothy in verse 5. For you always be sober, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Carry out the ministry fully. Is this a moment where the evangelist means that we need to be carrying out this idea of the gift in which God has given us is changing? We have never recorded data like this, even when we're going back to the ice cores and the land cores, looking at the parts per million of carbon, and yet we're okay with throwing this away. We're okay with forever changing the heartbeat and pulse of this planet. Are we okay with that? As people who God has pursued and written the law of God within our hearts so that we are connected with God. 
coming out of the Jeremiah text, where God works with Jacob and wrestles with Jacob, and we're wrestling with God right now as we are looking at this planet, looking at what is this all going to mean? How difficult it is to drastically change our whole economic system and world system to go toward a way that's more renewable and trying to look for justice, trying to look for ways to make it more equitable if possible. It's a total upheaval of everything we've known. But yet when the science is stating that this is what needs to happen, otherwise we're going to enter territory that we've never seen before. And yet we're okay with keeping things the same. I would argue that this is against what God has done for us. This is against what the faith is about. God continues to pursue us at any cost. And we see that throughout the text. And if we're trying to follow and understand what God is about and trying to understand and learn more about God, why don't we do the same? That means we're going to wrestle with God like Jacob. That means we're going to have to understand that God pursued us. And that means we need to meditate on that and give praise to that or cry out that. That means that there's going to be times where The teaching is favorable or unfavorable and not the best timing. Times where we're going to mentally be tired, but yet we're still going. I'll attach some more links down below just to give you at least an idea of how desperate this crisis really is. And it's something I've stated multiple times on here. It's just, if this is a gift from God, this place in which we are at, And we have not been able to find another place that can sustain life like this. Then why aren't we treating it as this place that is super valuable? Why aren't we acting like the widow and saying that this is something valuable, this is something valuable, this is something valuable, and trying to protect it? This is something that I think being a person who's 30, I kind of in between two worlds The younger people, and yes, I work with them in my day-to-day life, and becoming an elder and working with elders and talking with elders, and it's this desperation that I hear out of young people because they literally, it means that if we get beyond these points for too long, we literally can't just rely on the stories of old because we are literally moving into a world that we have never seen before climate-wise. Things that we've always assumed for the seasons and how things go and the plants that will be there will suddenly be gone. We've done this to other people before. Looking at like the trails of tears here at least in the United States along with slaves all over the world, unfortunately. And we also see how in that there was a stripping of culture and a stripping of identity. The problem is, is now we're on a global scale and as humans, we are potentially losing everything that we've ever known. And if that doesn't shake us up, what does? But it's also an opportunity for us to pursue and do things in ways that we've never done before. We can be desperate like Jacob as we are wrestling and say, bless me, God. Bless this human race to be able to protect this place. It allows us to say, this is hard, this is difficult, but this is what needs to be done. It's those moments that sometimes the money doesn't matter anymore. 
because the value of human life, the value of life in general, the value of this gift of a planet that we've been given is suddenly greater. So the question I have for you this week is how are you protecting this gift? How are you protecting this gift? I think it's something that we do need to reflect on more. It's something that as a world, and especially coming from a first world nation who has plenty of blood on its own hands, that we need to be okay with looking ourselves in the mirror and realizing that we're messing this up. And at what point are we going to make sure that our voice is heard where it needs to be heard to pursue a planet that's better for people, a planet that allows for the planet to also thrive, not just us. A planet that allows us to thrive along with the planet, not just us. And as we look through these texts, it's something that humans have struggled with and the chosen people of Israel have struggled with their whole life long. But if we're taking these words seriously, maybe this is the opportunity for us to come back to God like Israel often did and do something dramatic, do something that brings us closer to God. And do something where the pursuit, whether it's wrestling with God or what we assume with God all night long or an angel, the widow who keeps coming day after day, the persistence that Timothy talks about, fully recognizing the covenant that's written on our hearts, that we take it seriously and pursue this planet as a gift from a lover that's extremely valuable. And maybe just then we can understand what it means to pray always and not lose heart. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.